0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Cliff Griffin. He's from Checkout for WooCommerce. You can find that at checkoutwc.com. Welcome to the show, Cliff.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I'm really excited to talk about with WooCommerce with you and just e-commerce conversion optimization in general. It's really important to the course building and the membership community, the e-commerce community, which is the majority of our listeners here. Um, How do you describe uh, Checkout for WooCommerce? Like, how do you position it?
1: Sure. Um, Well, Checkout for WooCommerce is basically a um, drop-in solution that uh, completely takes over the checkout page. So if you've ever set up a WooCommerce site, um, you know that the checkout page is pretty generic and it's extremely functional. It's robust, but it uh, is pretty mediocre maybe from a design standpoint, especially depending on the theme you're using. So um, the backstory is that we basically saw a need for better e-commerce experiment, your experiences, and we had built a few of those for some other e-commerce plugins. And about three years ago, we decided um, this could be solved for many people with one plugin instead of all these bespoke experiences that we we're building. So um, that's kind of our... Our main goal is install it, activate it, and you're already, you know, way better than where you were. What do you like about Shopify? Like where Shopify,
0: before you've built this product, where was Shopify winning over like a WooCommerce experience?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, Shopify um, takes a really hard problem. So we used to say, or I used to say, there's no standard e-commerce experience, um, you know, every store has something that wasn't anticipated. Um, but what they've done is um, kind of force people into, in a good way, a really good tested uh, e-commerce flow. Um, so you have lots of control over the theme, but their product pages work really well. They convert really well. And their cart and checkout experiences um, are just consistently delivered to I think millions of stores, um, may not be quite a a million yet, but, um, because of that, you know, you, they take away a lot of that uncertainty where I picked a WordPress theme is my, are these experiences going to be good? You know? Um, and I think that's really appealing to a lot of uh, merchants. They just want to sell their stuff. You know, they want it to look good and they've kind of mastered that. And that's a monumental problem, (laughs) you know? I would have never been crazy enough to try it, Um, but it seems to be working really well for them.
0: Right on. Um, So is Checkout for WooCommerce a plugin or a
1: theme? It's a plugin, and this is a little, the nomenclature gets a little bit um, sticky because the semantics around themes. So we try to use the word template. Okay. Um, Maybe it's a little bit clearer. So Checkout for WooCommerce actually contains three separate templates. the actual flow of how you go through the fields is extremely similar between them. Um, But it gives people just stylistically three starting places um, to match up with their preferences. And um, it's it's really a total theme takeover. So what we're doing is, um, and I wanna get too technical, but um, when WordPress is loading a page, um, it gets to a hook called template redirect. And this is where the the theme decides which page template to send um, you know, to the user. And so we actually jump in right there and we say, actually, we're going to load our stuff right here. So we don't even load um, like the base HTML or the the greater theme context um, from your WordPress theme. Um, it's completely our stuff at that point. Um, so we minimize a lot of those conflicts, um, you know, when a WordPress theme just loads crazy stuff that can just break things. Um, none of that stuff's going to happen. Um in our template. So it's kind of a sandbox in that sense.
0: So checkout for WooCommerce could literally work with any WordPress theme.
1: You just add it to your site. There are instances where we have to work around stuff. Um, You know, a lot of times the theme has like a separate add-on plugin and that add-on plugin doesn't know what to do unless the regular theme stuff is there. But most of that stuff is really simple. So we only have like five or six of those workarounds.
0: Well, at Lyft LMS, the way I say that is Lyft LMS works with any well-coded WordPress theme. So it's not, I can't say everything because there's always something out there.
1: And uh, we went out of the gate really aggressive and we were like, it works with everything. And we were being like super strong arm, like we're not going to load the themes, style sheets and, you know, JavaScript files and all that stuff. And then that just became more of a headache than it was like a, a value. So we, as we were able to improve the code base, we said, okay, we're going to go ahead and let these things play more nicely together. Um, but really on the theme side, it's still pretty um, – we try to keep, keep them at bay. We don't need their stuff on our theme. Template, sorry. <laughs> could, you, could you speak to
0: uh, some of the elements of checkout for WooCommerce that contribute to a more conversion-optimized design or experience?
1: Yeah, so um, the, you know, the main kind of conceptual um, flow, and you'll notice it really resembles Shopify. That's not on accident. Um, we said, hey, they're doing this on a million stores. We personally love this flow. We talked to everybody we talked to says, man, yeah, they, they do such a good job with checkout. Um, but the idea is that you keep your user in a domain of knowledge, a single domain of knowledge at a time. Um, and you do you structure the sequence so that you have the information you need at the right time. So um, for instance, um, in our checkout, uh, themes, templates, um, we have three tabs. The first tab is called customer information and that's where the uh, user enters their shipping address. And when they do that, now we have enough information to um, estimate their shipping. So the second tab allows them to pick uh, their shipping method. And then the third tab is where they specify their payment and billing information. So when people stay in a, con, a single context, a single domain of knowledge, it's easier for them to complete forms um, because they're not having to sort of switch gears and you know, uh, look, you know, oh, what was my credit card information? Oh, what did I pick for shipping? Um, we're taking you in a logical sequence. Um, beyond that, um, what we do is we try to automate everything that we can And this is something that I think is um, kind of a unique advantage that we have right now. I I don't anticipate we'll get this advantage for very long because I think some of these things are pretty easy to do. Um, But for instance, you know, a personal pain that I've had is that when I'm buying at a store that I know I've ordered at before, but I don't order frequently, I don't remember if I have an account and a lot of stores can be really aggressive about, trying to force you to log into your account or remember these things. And so what you'll do is you'll say, no, I didn't sign up for an account. And you'll fill out the form and you'll say, submit my order. And they say, you have an account. You need to log in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. error message. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know the password. It's not in my password manager and it must predate my password manager. So now I'm trying to guess passwords. I'm waiting on reset password notifications, et cetera. So what we did is try to cut all that out. So. As soon as you enter your email address, we immediately look up to see if you have an account. And if you do, we drop down the password field. And now you have a login button and you can enter it right there. Um, If you don't have an account, we automatically check the box to create an account because most merchants want their users creating accounts if possible. It's easier for the user because now they have a single place to go look at all their orders. Um, But the most important thing is sticking with that principle of we don't want any friction between the user and a successful order is that we override and basically allow every order to go through as a guest order. Um, with the exception being if it's a a subscription product, we can't do that obviously. So they can always, always, always order regardless. Um, but we automatically show them if they have a account and kind of give them a leg up on that memory work. Um, And then beyond that, like another automation, um, that's kind of super easy to do more people should do it. I'm glad they don't right now is that, um, it's not hard to find someone's city and state in most cases, especially in the U S um, with their postcode. Um, so unlike most, most order forms are structured where it's you put in your country or you put in your, uh, your, city, state, country, zip. That's kind of the, that's how it's on the envelope and so that's how they order it. Um, we do country, zip, and then we automatically immediately fill in your city and state if we can find it. Um, there's some really weird stuff on that. You can't do it in every country because, believe it or not, like post offices in different countries actually copyright that information and to so to actually store a complete list of these postal codes match up with these cities and states is a copyright violation. So, but you can do it in the U.S. Um, and you can do it in a lot of other countries too. Um, so it's just you know, it. I, I get mad now when I'm using a normal, you know, even Amazon. It's like just you know, this information. Don't make me, you know, fill out three fields when I could fill out you know one. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I mean, I literally, like, there was a company that lost a, you know, $80 pair of jeans sale that I was trying to complete. I had bought them there like four years ago before my password manager. And like, I went through it. I'm like, all right, which email did I use? And I finally, I was like, forget it. I can't, I'm just trying to buy it and it wouldn't let me buy it. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a bad user experience.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, e-commerce is complicated. It's hard, you know, Like I said earlier, so I get why a lot of these things are end up so poorly, especially when it's designed by committee and um, you have all these like lesser business goals that end up sort of taking over the whole experience, you know, and a lesser business goal could be like, we want everyone to have an account. And uh, sometimes the exact wrong answer fills in, which is, well, we just won't let them purchase unless they can remember their account information, you know, um, But making money should be your real goal. So it's just you know, you're uh, it's like a pyrrhic victory. You won the battle, you lost the war.
0: Yeah. Well, this I mean, this was really interesting, and I was just pulling some numbers. Um, I think you said Shopify had something around a million stores.
1: Yeah i i I wanted to say it was over a million, but then I had a memory that maybe they were still in search of that.
0: Well, I saw 500 active stores, 500,000 active stores yeah. as a recent stat. But okay. I went to WooCommerce and there are over 4 million installs of WooCommerce, which is really amazing yeah. to me, um, just how big the WooCommerce it's crazy. Yeah. ecosystem is. And I've used WooCommerce for a very long time, probably a decade. And the interface it was always like lagging behind the hosted solutions. Mm -hmm. But again, that's the beauty of like WordPress and the ecosystem is you could come in and you could focus exclusively on this experience and build on top of that and optimize it. I mean, I'm sure WooCommerce is just scrambling to keep it all together and not lose anybody's money and whatever. The design is not their top priority
1: and experience. Well, it's it's really hard for them to fix because um, they have this technical debt, you know, of this, these templates have worked a certain way for 10 years, you know? And so if you, you know, pull out the rug, you know, from underneath everybody, um, you're potentially disrupting 4 million stores. So they have to be really careful. I do think that they will eventually address this stuff, but, um, I do think it's also good that they they have sort of left this large area for themes and plugins to improve.
0: Yeah, that's a a great point. And if you look at themes um, who do design in general, there are some WooCommerce-specific themes out there, but not every theme gives attention to WooCommerce. I mean, it gets more attention than a lot of other plugins because it has a large user base. But uh, when you see plain-jade WooCommerce and the purple buttons and everything, it's not bad, but it looks a little out of place with the theme usually.
1: It's, yeah, I... Themes have to be the hardest development of all the kind of WordPress ecosystem products. You know, themes have to be the absolute worst in terms of the sheer number of, the sheer amount of exposure you have to niche problems. And I think that e-commerce is just doubling the size of that. You know, when you you when it break, you really get down to it, there's so many things you have to be careful of in e-commerce. Um, and so we've actually had a couple of like, You know, pretty major themes you probably would have heard of reach out and kind of, you know, approach us on whether we wanted to be acquired and things like that. Because I think themes are looking for solutions to not have to deal with this probably pain point in their ecosystem of they're constantly having to fix issues on their unique, you know, checkout flow. And that's not really their main business.
0: Can you speak to um, some of the plugins that? It says uh, checkout for WooCommerce works with the plugins you love, like PayPal or Stripe, Woo subscriptions. like what does your checkout do in relation to those things? Does it just know yeah. which fields are coming because of them and it's ready for them?
1: Yeah, this is the we need to update that list for sure. Um, that was kind of what we launched with, but uh you know this is the hardest problem that we sort of carved out because we're so opinionated about how the experience should work. Yeah. we were that put us at odds with a lot of the defaults of how WooCommerce usually handles the template. Okay. Um, a good example of that is um, in our flow. Like I said, the shipping fields come first, and then yeah. on the payment gateway or the payment method screen, you have a toggle that says, you know, use my shipping address, you know, as the billing address or specify a different billing address. Well, that's the exact opposite of how WooCommerce does it. Um, but the problem is, it's not it's kind of the opposite and also different. You can't just say, well, um, you know, just mean the opposite of that flag that WooCommerce already has, because it doesn't really mean the opposite of that exactly. Um, so what we have to do, and, and also, you know, there's all these hooks throughout the template. Um, well, we can't really add parity for all those hooks because the hooks just mean different things because of the context around them. So um, if if there's a hook that's like before billing details, um, That means before billing details, but it also probably means something else specific to how the WooCommerce checkout's laid out, which is we want it at the top of the screen, and it wouldn't be at the top of the screen in our flow. So, um, and we couldn't just add all those hooks that already exist. We added as many as we could, and it's been a process of experimentation. Like, let's add a hook, launch it, see how many things, how many unintended consequences there are, and then we have to deal with those. Um, so we're trying to basically synthesize this functionality. And so most of the time it's pretty easy, you know, so we take a plugin and they output a field on the page. And when the user installs, Oh, Hey, this field's not there. And so we just take a look at the plugin we see, Oh, they're outputting on this hook. And we basically just add that same function on our own hook and problem solved. You know, most of our compatibility, we, separate them out into classes. Usually they're like 15 lines, you know, which is really just mostly scaffolding. So um, there are edge cases that take a lot more work. Sometimes we even have to like pull in JavaScript, but it's it's all about our commitment to um, the design first. You know, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't want to just have like um, sort of an an average, mediocre implementation of anything we add. Um, we want to make sure that it fits the whole ecosystem. And so that does create problems like, um, so one of the things we do if you have Stripe is you can have an Apple pay button and a Google pay button things like that. But we want all those buttons to look the same. Yeah. You know, so now there's, you know, we use uh, PayPal for commerce, which is a fantastic, um, PayPal gateway. It's free. Um, and they do a really good job with the smart button. Um, but what they can't control is the fact that PayPal puts all their smart buttons in one iframe. And so now you have this problem like, do we want them all to look the same or do we want all the buttons to be able to show up? So currently what we recommend is people just turn on only one of those buttons and that allows us to make them look all the same height and same width, things like that. Um, But we're just constantly sort of grading against this, like we want the experience to be extremely high level. And so we don't want to like compromise that by just throwing everything that, you know, can be thrown into that area of the screen, you know, because um, a lot of those defaults are pretty bad. It's like, you know, pay faster and like advertisements, basically billboards, oh, <laughs> yeah. And we don't want that stuff. We want to just have like an area that has um, payment request buttons. that are a faster way to check out.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. And that shows a lot of maturity and advanced design opinion. Cause it's all about, on the far side of design, it's about minimalism and taking things away and unification. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And, and I, I find when it comes to things like e-commerce or business models or design, especially e-commerce where we're kind of product focused or LMS where we're kind of learning focused, mm-hmm. it's like, Let's keep it minimal and keep the focus on the product or the course, and not get too carried away with uh, things that don't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Having a nice Woo subscription, WooCommerce checkout with Woo subscriptions, clean checkout. That's that's mm-hmm. really what you want. Yeah, <laughs> you know, keep it simple.
1: Um, yeah, it's a constant dance. You know, we we think that we've heard of every you know WooCommerce plugin. You know known to man, and then you know we'll get five integration requests in a week, you know, and so it's just sometimes we have to say no, like that just doesn't work with our flow, you know. Um, you know we've had requests to have like the multiple shipping addresses where you can drag card items into buckets for shipping addresses. and like like I'm sure that's useful for someone, but it's just that's not, you know we can't be, we can't please everyone. You know, we can't be a solution that works for absolutely every single WooCommerce store, but we want to hit like that 80% mark, you know? So if you have a really niche thing, it may not, we may not be right for you. And we'll tell you that, you know, we're not going to just try to jam it in there and compromise the, the whole design, um, to make it work.
0: Yeah. There's a, um, I've just come across a lot with WooCommerce, and there are a lot of edge cases. If you go to WooCommerce extensions, and even these are just okay. the ones that WooCommerce itself promotes and yeah. is, uh, puts out there, not necessarily made by them. And there's a lot more after that. There's so many edge cases, like well, buy a gift for somebody else, or name your price, or yeah, you know, all the <laughs> all in, these it's things. It's
1: infinite. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing and terrifying. <laughs>
0: Well, that, that actually leads to my next question. What do you love about WooCommerce?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest thing I love about WooCommerce is just, um, because there's 4 million people all contributing or contributing by using it. Um, there's just an amazing ecosystem around it. So you think of any problem and it's more likely that someone else has solved it and solved it at scale. You know, they've developed a product that people are using and are, being updated than not you know in the past when i've used smaller e-commerce plugins you're just constantly custom building modules you know um so in a recent store we built for example you know they wanted to have all their variations show up as single products in the grid they it looked too small when they're they have like three products each of those products have like 20 variations and they wanted to be able to show it all up you know like the normal shopping grid Well, there's a plugin. It does it. It's great. You know, and it, you know, hides the initial product and just shows the variants. They all look like fully qualified products. And then you click on one It auto selects that variation. Um, and that's just stuff you won't get, um, unless you have this massive audience of potential stores where all these niche problems aren't just affecting a few people. There's literally 10,000 stores that need it, you know? Um, you know, the downside is that, you know, like you said, there are so many integrations and there's a lot of technical debt. So there's areas of WooCommerce that I really would love them to improve. Like um, the order statuses are kind of nebulous, what they mean. Um, you know, they don't have separate statuses for payment statuses and shipping status. So, you know, if an order is complete, usually that means what well, was paid for. Well, what if it's being shipped in three different boxes? How can I, at a glance, know that two of the three boxes are away and we still need to ship the third, you know? Um, So I think there's areas that it can kind of grow up and become more of an enterprise solution over time. Um, I think it does work for enterprises, but I think there are certain areas where, like, the accounting and the way that statuses are tracked um, could be improved and really make it a better solution for some of these high-level um, large stores that need really, really uh, discrete tracking for different things.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I just want to note for you out there that's listening, um, if you've heard of Lifter LMS, we have our own simple Stripe and PayPal checkout, but a lot of our community uses uh, WooCommerce to check out. And I want to explain the reasons why they would do that. And if you are going to do that, I'd encourage you to go to checkoutwc.com and see what your checkout could look like using um, WooCommerce. Uh, So if you, I'm thinking of like some of our customers who already have a WooCommerce store. They have products like photography, maybe coaching uh, packages, maybe physical goods and equipment. I'm thinking of one person in particular who teaches a, a certain kind of um, weaving and she sells all these other um, like fabrics and things to create the weavings. It's just a full on WooCommerce experience and she just wanted to add courses and, mm-hmm. and memberships and things like that later. So that's a reason to use Lifter with WooCommerce. If you want an advanced, like, uh, another add-on that WooCommerce makes, like if you're falling in love with checkout for WooCommerce, that's a great reason to use it. If this, if design and conversion optimized checkout is important for you, perhaps you're maybe even coming from Shopify and you just you want it to look like what you're used to. Um, that's another good reason. But WooCommerce is fantastic. I I personally use it for selling software. I I love the uh, we had to build our own licensing system, but we use Woo subscriptions. I use something called uh, Motoric where I get extra reporting, which is awesome. Yeah, I love it's that. <laughs> it's a very powerful tool. And just the community around it, like Cliff here, there's all these great people working on these specific problems uh, within WooCommerce. We've mentioned Matoric, uh, Bryce, um, who, the guy behind that. Mm-hmm. I mean he has some card abandonment stuff that is working amazing <laughs> with with that but that's not part of WooCommerce core. We added that yeah. through, uh through that that system. And uh yeah, I think this is this is really beautiful what you have here because it is frustrating when somebody's trying to buy. Like I love that idea of enter your zip code and why don't it sh- shouldn't it just know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I- I learned something new from you because it is a hard problem and we get that request a lot with our checkout. And then, you know, there's all these different countries and I, I didn't realize all the nuances around the uh, the copywriter or whatever of the, the zip code. It's crazy. Yeah. Making it simple is not, not easy. And WooCommerce by default, you know, when it loads up the two columns and everything's exposed all at once, it's a little bit, you know, overwhelming. As someone's checking out.
1: Yeah. Um, and something we're going to be releasing soon is an add on. Um, and I think there are some plugins out there that do this, but um, we think we can address it very specifically for our audience is like a full address autocomplete from uh, Google Maps. So, how's that work? one? Of the, well, one of the nice things is that their algorithm geolocates you. So it says when you're entering this address, you know, 100 Main Street, you don't mean all Main Streets, you mean Probably this one near your hat you know, where you are right now. Oh, wow. And so it can really speed up the process of, and then you're filling in street address one, two, country, city, state, um, in one go. So that's something we're gonna be releasing soon to just try to further, um, short circuit the process of having to make decisions and think of things when you're going through a checkout flow.
0: That's very cool. Now, what you said, three templates. I believe were you talking about like three different styles, or the more like yeah. the cart, the checkout, and the uh,
1: the right. So right now we only deal with the checkout page. Um, okay. Three templates that um, have three kind of takes on the overall sort of design of. Could, could you describe how those are different? Like what. Yeah,
0: so, it's hard. To, um, I know we're on a we're we're on a podcast here, so go to check out wc. <laughs> dot look at it. But people have design opinions, so I'm sure they're like three different. They're very they're different. What are they?
1: Yeah, so our default theme is, um, you know, the flow is very inspired by Shopify in all cases, but um, the default theme is pretty stripped down. Um, it's white background. Um, there's not. Um, Like the cart area on the right is like a sidebar um, that's also got a white background. It's just very um, understated. And uh, then we have a theme that's called Copify, which is obviously um, a very close clone of Shopify. Because um, what we thought is we thought when we launched, well, you know, people who want it to just look like Shopify, they'll be happy with the default theme. They weren't. They said, okay. this exactly. looks great. But yeah. here's 10 things that can make it look exactly like Shopify. Like, okay, we get the message. You literally want it to just look like Shopify and we can um, accommodate that. And then we have a theme called a uh, futurist, which is kind of a uses like a Futura style. Like it has breadcrumb dots and just different, um, styling, uh, of elements. That's just slightly different. It's, it's really the same basic guts, but, um, a lot of people love that theme and it just um, it sets things apart a little bit differently so um, we're we'll probably add more in the future but um, right now it seems to be a good place no matter where your aesthetic preferences lie um, you can start with one of these and you know of course you can always modify it if you want to
0: yeah and you can try those out for free over at checkoutwc.com Thank you so much for doing the show with us, Cliff. Is there anything else, uh, for people to look at or where you want, want to send them?
1: Uh, yeah. To find um, out more? Well, I was going to say, um, you know, I'm going to create a discount code, um, called lifter. Um, so if your audience wants to try it out for a seven day free trial for everybody, but if they want a 10% off, um, cool, they can use uh, discount code lifter when they're checking out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. And, um, this is amazing. I'm really excited about it, and I hear people talking about uh, they just want smooth checkout, and I'm really glad you're working on this problem. And it looks beautiful, so thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and thanks yeah. for the generous coupon.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me on. It was a it was a great. And that's a wrap for this episode
0: of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.